My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website, hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. finishing it out today. We're finishing out Philemon. It's been a short study, uh, but it's been a great study. It's been a really good, good study. How many of you guys have never really looked into the book of Philemon, honestly? Yeah? Never really looked into it? Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's easy to miss. Uh, it's really easy to miss. It's very short. It's one page, literally. So if, you've, if you're looking actually in a paper Bible, these ancient things uh, that we have uh, that uh, you, you're flipping through, it's easy to miss it. In fact, a lot of times you'll go to the table of contents and be like, are we sure it's in there? Like, am I positive it's in there? So uh, it's very easy to miss, but it's so good. And, and just to kind of catch you up to speed on kind of what the story is a little bit about, I want to do a brief uh, context. Remember, Paul is writing to a guy named Philemon. Paul led Philemon to Christ. Uh, Philemon became a believer, and, um, and he was at the church in Colossae. He was a part of the church there. He had a church meeting in his house. So he had a house church, he and his wife, and, uh, and, and he also was a slave owner. We, sent, we spent a long time, we spent in fact a whole Wednesday talking about slavery in the Bible. And so whenever we uh, look at the word slavery here, as in that he was a slave of Philemon, Onesimus was a slave of Philemon, your brain wants to go to chattel slavery. Like we talk about antebellum slavery, that's a part of our culture and a part of our history, right? And, uh, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same kind of slavery. It's more of like an indentured servant, if you will. It's someone who has voluntarily come before and said, I can't afford to live on my own, basically. I need help. And so he is there, uh, and he became the slave of Philemon. Uh, Onesimus ends up running away. He ends up taking something. We don't know exactly what. It's probably a lot of money. Uh, and he ends up taking it and he runs all the way from Colossae to Rome, which is very, 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 very far away. Um, and it would take a long time to get there. Picture walking from here to like New Orleans, Louisiana. All right, traveling somehow that far, um, that's basically around how, how far it would be. And uh, ends, up, and ends up leaving. He runs into a guy named Paul, the same Paul that led Philemon to Christ. We don't know how it happened, but he runs into him. And uh, Paul's in prison at this point. And, and he ends up talking to Onesimus, leading him to Christ. He ends up becoming a believer. And, uh, and so now, as they've been praying through things on what to do next, they both agree that Philemon needs, or that Onesimus needs to return back to Philemon uh, to sever that broken relationship. Uh, sever to mend that broken relationship. And so, uh, so that's kind of what this is about. Paul is like, I'll write a letter ahead of you because I'm sure that Onesimus is like, yo, I could get in a lot of trouble for this. And so are we sure this is the right thing to do? They're both like, yeah, it is. So Paul's like, look, I'll write a letter to him as well. And as you and, and, as you and Tychicus go deliver the letter to the church in Ephesus, and also the church in, or the church, yeah, in Ephesus, also to the church in Colossae, you can deliver this to Philemon. And, uh, and so that's what he does. He ends up delivering it, and that's the letter that we've been reading, is Paul's letter to Philemon saying, hey, 
This is a brother in Christ now. Let's restore this relationship. If you want to catch up on any of these and you've missed any of them, they are available on our podcast. And so you guys can go listen to that or our YouTube channel uh, and you guys can catch up on, on the back ones. But today is the final day, the final verses. There is only one chapter in Philemon. Uh, there's only 25 verses. And so uh, we've, we've, gone pretty in-depth through these things, and we're going to end it out today. So uh, Lawrence read for us verse 17 through 25. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to walk through this thing, and we're just going to look at what these final words are. That's what we do on Sundays. We just go a little bit deeper into these things and, uh, and see what the Lord has for us. So Let's look together at verse 17. It'll be up on the screen uh, if you need it. And so here's what he says, all right? He says, so if you consider me your partner, remember he just now got done saying, please accept him back. He's a brother in Christ now. And, and so in, in bring him back, like accept him as a brother in Christ. He says, so if you consider me your partner, receive him, he's talking about Onesimus, as you would receive me. Now, what's very important, and we also understand, is that this was not originally written in English. This was originally written in Greek, and so sometimes those Greek words mean something a little bit deeper than what we can translate in the English language. And so what I want to do is look at a couple of these words here. So here's what Paul says, if you consider me your partner. Now, whenever we read that in English, we're just going to kind of skip through that. We're like, yeah, okay, like they're partners. Like they're partners in, in the gospel. That's great. And you just kind of read through it. But it's not just like that's a, that word right there is a derivative of the word koinonia, which we talked about, was the word for like being one, for being like in, so in fellowship with each other that they are one, all right? And so uh, what he's saying there is he's saying, look, you and I, if you consider me your partner, in other words, if you consider me that co-laborer, like it's not a co-worker. You guys know what a co-worker is, right? That's a person that steals your lunch from the refrigerator at work. That's a co-worker, okay? Your co-laborer, your, your, let's, let's, let's use the word business partner. That means way more to someone than a co-worker, right? A business partner is someone who's in it with you. A business partner has skin in the game, just like you have skin in the game. You both have things in common. You both have similar goals. You have similar wants and desires. Usually it's very much related to money and getting the most money out of the business that you can, but you both have skin in the game. So that's kind of what a business partner would be, and that's kind of like what he's talking about here. That's essentially that, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ but minus the worldly motivation. Like we are business partners in the gospel work, but there's no worldly motivation behind that. In fact, it's all serve motivation. The partnership we have as believers, listen to this, miraculously gives us the exact same heart. Like you don't have that in a business partner in the world. Like you might have similar wants and desires, but you don't, you don't come together in common on the deepest things that you desire. In fact, a lot of business partners end up butting heads and they often separate because they weren't able to work so closely together. But that's because they were wanting something of the world. So, so we have the same heart together as partners and none of what we do is for personal gain. If you think about that, as brothers and sisters in Christ, none of what we do is for personal gain. It's all for personal give. That's not the same thing as a business partner. It's all for personal 
give. And so you and I, we're not just trying to gain something. You and I are collectively trying to give. We're trying to give the gospel to people. We're trying to give our time. We're trying to give our resources and we're trying to be there for other people. The gospel says we're not first. The gospel says we're not even second. The gospel says we're third. As believers and, and, and as, as people in the world, we put, we put Christ before everybody else and then we put people before even ourselves and then it says that we come third. We shouldn't think highly of ourselves. Uh, we shouldn't think higher than we ought to about ourselves. We are united in the pursuit of denying self. How weird is that? We are united in the pursuit of denying self. That's so awesome. We are, we are united. Um, we're putting others before ourselves, laboring. We are united in laboring for the glory of God by pursuing holiness and by leading others to him. You want to talk about a camaraderie? You want to talk about a partnership? That is a partnership. Whenever he says that word partner, if you consider me your partner, that word partner is loaded. Whenever he read that, he got all of that in his mind. And then here we are in English and we're like, partner, that's nice, right? <laughs> There's so much to that word. And then he says the word receive. He says, receive, that also clues us into the oneness that it brings because it's a word that they use to basically mean receive into one's family circle. That's pretty amazing. You want to talk about a oneness? That's this, this family circle that you have. So what's he basically saying? He's saying, you know the bond that we have, Philemon? The bond that we have because of the gospel the bond that brings us together, not only as partners in the same work for the Lord Jesus Christ, but the bond that unifies us basically like family, that bond that if I showed up, Philemon, on your front door, you wouldn't only welcome me. You wouldn't just shake my hand and say, it's good to see you. But you would, you would wrap your arms around me. If I showed up randomly at your door, Philemon, what would you do? Philemon would open the door. I mean, do y'all, y'all ever watch those videos um, of like military people coming home? <laughs> Sobbing, right? I made the mistake of following an Instagram page called like Tears or something like that. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's just people reuniting. And, and so it's like, ah, oh, let's see what's on Instagram. And I'm like, <laughs> that's so great. I don't, I don't know why I put myself through that, but I do. But that's, that's what it would be like. That's that, oh my goodness, my family is here. This person that I'm, that I'm so bonded to is here. And he's saying, look, that's how I want you to treat Onesimus when he walks in the door. Treat him exactly like you would treat me. Don't see your former slave. Don't see someone who has wronged you. And he has. That person died. And a brother who now has your same heart, your same desires, your same goals now stands in his place. Don't see him as you used to. See him for who he is now in Christ. And so here's something cool. I want to bring up something really interesting and amazing about the book of Philemon. Nowhere in this book is the gospel laid out for us. Nowhere. Not in any of the words that it's saying in here. Like in, in the other letters that we've read that Paul has written, he basically spells out the gospel. Like he's like, hey, how's it going? Let me tell you about how to be saved. 
He's like, this is what Jesus did. This is how it happens. And this is why you can stand before God justified. It's because of Christ. Like in all of his other ones, whenever we were reading Galatians or whenever we were reading the, the two Thessalonians, whenever we were reading Ephesians, Colossians, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, we've gone through all of those. And if you can think back in your mind about some of those, that was some pretty in-depth stuff where Paul is like, this is the gospel. This is what it is. But in Philemon, as you've seen, we've read every word of Philemon together. He never does that. The gospel is never, is never there. And I'll be honest, Philemon, like I said earlier, it was never a letter for me that was on the top priority. Like whenever people are like, what's your favorite book of the Bible? My first, get, my first thing was never like, Philemon is amazing. Like, again, I was like, oh, like you would say something like, let me just ask this question. What's your favorite book of the Bible? Throw some out there. Okay. Romans, what else? John's good. John? James, do we need to go through the books? and Remember Ecclesiastes? Nice. What do you say? Proverbs. Yeah. Isaiah. You see, these are all the heavy hitters, right? Maybe not Ecclesiastes, but like, these, are all, these are all the heavy hitters. And, and everybody's like, yeah, I love Acts. Man talks about the explosion of the church, right? I love these. I love the gospel of John talks about the person of Jesus really gets into the fact that Jesus is God. Love that kind of stuff. Love seeing all of that. But, but I, I promise if you go around, what's your favorite book of the Bible? Rarely are people like Philemon. Rarely. And it wasn't on the top of my list. In fact, the way that I treated Philemon, honestly, if I think about it, was like, it didn't matter if it was in the Bible or not. Like you could have removed Philemon in my mind and still have had the same thing. Like it wouldn't have changed much theologically for the Bible if you removed Philemon. So the question is then, why is it here? Right? It's so random. Paul's letter to a random guy to accept his slave back as a brother in Christ. Like, you know that Paul wrote other letters besides the ones that we've looked at, besides Philemon, that never made it into scripture. He wrote, he wrote many letters that didn't make it in here, but this one did. Why, why did this one happen? And I think because while it may not lay out the inner workings of the gospel, I don't know if there's a better illustration of the gospel. I don't know if there's a better example of the gospel than in these 25 verses. And, and especially in these three verses. You don't look real convinced by that yet. Coming up next. So let's, I, I want to show you guys, just in, let's just take this verse. Let's just take this verse alone, all right? So if you consider me your partner, Receive him as you would receive me. Is this not exactly how the gospel works? Is this not exactly an illustration and a picture of what Christ has done for us? I mean, think about it just for a second. Like you can even put the people in the place, but if you consider me your partner, who's, who's the utmost oneness? Well, it's Jesus and God. Like we looked at a verse last week and it was like, you and I are one. And I can almost picture Jesus saying this exact same thing. God, if you consider me your partner, if you receive me and God received Jesus, he lived a sinless life on the earth. God received Jesus. Now, who are we standing in the background just with our hands in our pockets? Like we messed up. 
we're Onesimus. That's who we are. We're standing back and we're just going, oh, a little help, right? And it's like Jesus is like, receive them as you would receive me because of what Christ has done. Like, are we not so unified in Christ that God then receives us just as he receives his son? He does. Paul told Philemon, he's just like me now. Onesimus is just like me now. Like, I'm, I'm a brother in Christ as well. He's just like me now. Is this not exactly what happens as we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ? We are just like Christ now. Like whenever God looks at us, whenever we stand before God, he's not going to see Greg, the person who just royally, royally screwed up all the time. He's not going to see me. He's going to see the righteousness of Jesus upon me. He's going to see his son. And he's going to receive me just like he received his son. And sure, it's a big deal for a slave to enter into the master's family. You could probably imagine but it's an even bigger deal for a guilty sinner to enter into God's family. That's a way taller order. That's crazy. So the gospel picture continues here in verse 18 to 19. Paul says this, if he, okay, Onesimus, he's speaking to Philemon, if he has wronged you, Philemon, in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Whoa, that's, that's a big deal. Like Paul is a great guy. At this point, you can picture it. Paul, who had been kind of dictating up to this point, he, he kind of takes the pen from whoever's transcribing in the moment. You know, Paul's dictating this to someone. It's probably Timothy. And it's like, hey, if he has wronged you or in any way owes you anything, charge it to me. And I don't, my brain works a little bit different, but I, I see Timothy being like, Ho, ho, ho. You really want me to put that? Like, you, you really want me to put that down? Do you know what you're saying? Like, you know what he's going to owe, right? You sure you want me to write that down? Paul's like, give me the pen. I'll write it down myself. Whatever it is that he owes you, I will pay it back. And this is one reason why we think Onesimus stole from Philemon on his way out. And it was probably a hefty sum because Onesimus didn't have much of anything, yet somehow he was able to pay for a journey all the way from Colossae to Rome. I mean, you can try to hitchhike that, but he's going to need something. He's going to need a little something to do that, right? And so he, he probably owes an exorbitant amount. But not only that, there was also a debt that Onesimus had racked up for loss of work suffered. Think about that for a second, right? If you had an employee that suddenly walked out on you, how much business would you have to stop? Well, whatever they were in charge of. Well, then how much money would you lose? Well, the money for whatever they were in charge of, right? The income stops because the business stops. And Paul says, I know that with the way he left, he racked up a debt. Charge it to me. Charge it to me. But don't only charge that to me. What did he say at the beginning? This blows my mind. If he has wronged you in any way, charge it to me. Whoa. We've gone beyond monetary value now. We've stepped into something that I don't know if I would ever step in. Like, I love you guys. Okay? 
Like, and I'm for you. And if like you get yourself into some trouble and you got to go to court, I'll go to court and sit there. Okay. Like I'll be there. I'll be like praying for you. Okay. But I don't know if I could stand up in front of the judge and go, hey, whatever they've done, whatever they owe, whatever wrongs they've committed, charge it all to me. I'll do it. I don't know if I could do that. Yet that's what Paul is saying. You not only want to pay for the debt of money, you want to pay for his action debt. The punishment that was due Onesimus, we've talked about the punishment that was due Onesimus, right? He's essentially saying, don't punish him, punish me. And again, is this not an incredibly beautiful illustration of the gospel? It's amazing. That's exactly what it is. You and I, think about this for a second. You and I have never in our lives wronged anyone more than the one who gave us life. We've never wronged anyone more. The one who put air in our lungs, the same one who placed the sun and the stars in the sky, set this planet into motion. The Bible says he measures the expanse of the universe with his hand. And, and we, we didn't just do it once. We didn't just mess up once. We didn't just wrong him once. We didn't just wrong him twice. But as we chased our own desires in this life, as we paved our own way for living against his wishes and wronged him over and over and over again, we owe a lot. We have a debt that is crazy. And whatever debt Onesimus racked up does not hold a candle. Look, I'll, I'll point at myself in this, all right? Because you guys are getting uncomfortable. You're like, he's kind of getting on to me right now. I'll get on to myself. Whatever debt Onesimus racked up doesn't hold a candle to the debt that I owe God. All right? And you. It's just true. It doesn't hold a candle to it. And it's a debt like Onesimus. We couldn't pay. We couldn't ever repay the debt that we owe. And so what did Jesus do? He came to earth, lived a sinless life, took on mockery, took on abuse, took on ridicule. He was arrested. He was beaten beyond recognition. And with three nails, he was hammered to a cross. And with his execution, he was essentially saying, on behalf of all who will come to him, Lord, all of it, charge it to me. I'll take care of everything. He didn't deserve it, yet he took it. Lord, give them the righteousness that I spent 33 years earning and punish me for every way they have wronged you. Guys, whenever we put our faith and trust in Christ, our debt is erased because it, it's paid by Jesus. Every sin that we ever committed, every sin that we are currently committing, and every sin that we will ever commit, it was all charged to him. And he gave us what he deserved. It wasn't Paul's debt to pay, but he was willing to pay it. It wasn't Christ's debt to pay, but he was willing to pay it for us. And it can be given to you as well. Debt forgiveness is kind of a hot button topic right now in our country. There's no greater debt forgiveness though than what Christ has done and it's available to everyone. And I love that Paul reminds Philemon of this very thing in his next words. He says this in verse 19, I, Paul, 
He says, I write this with my own hand. So we, we did the first part in 19. And then he says this, I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Does anybody read that and go, dang, <laughs> like, did he, what, what was that, <laughs> right? Like you read that and it's like, hey, look, like I, I know that I'll repay it. And, and guess what? I won't make mention that you owe me your life. Because what did, what did Paul do? He led, he's the one that led Philemon to Christ. He's the one that, that shared the gospel with Philemon. Philemon has the life that he has right now directly, well, ultimately because of God's sovereignty, but it was Paul who shared the gospel with him. And look, and, and I don't know, I wrestled with that text for a little while because I was like, that's, that's, that's kind of doesn't sit right with me how he said that, right? Because we've been talking this whole time about how he doesn't want to coerce Philemon to do, to forgive. Like he wants him to do it on his own accord. Well, is he kind of coercing him there? I really kind of had to sit with that for a second. Because if somebody walked up to me and said that and they were like, hey, listen, um, you know, so-and-so, uh, they, you know, did some stuff and, uh, and I know that they owe you um, like $10. Uh, and so if you want me to pay you the $10, I will. Um, just don't forget that uh, I saved your life. Um, so you want me to give you the $10? Like, what do you do in that moment, right? What person to be like, give me the $10? Nobody, right? So is he coercing him here? I don't think he is. I don't think he is. Why don't I think he is? Um, because this is how I hear this. Like, I, Paul could have <laughs> lit into this guy. All right. He could have been like, you remember whenever we were here and uh, I shared the gospel with you and remember when you were a fool and you were doing all this stupid stuff and I still accepted you and I still graciously walked with you and discipled you in Christ, even though you were acting like an idiot. Remember all those times that you canceled the meetings because you wanted to go do whatever you wanted to do because you wanted to sleep in because of whatever. Like Paul could have lit into this guy, but he just mentions it. He's like, hey, don't forget though. Like, I, th I think he just kind of mentions it like as a, just remember how, how, how it was that you, that you came to faith in Christ. He, I think he says just enough to stir his heart toward godly action, if needed, yet staying true to refraining from coercing or forcing Philemon into a decision against his will. And then in verse 20, he says this, he says, yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement or refreshment. We've seen, that we've seen that word before. Paul's basically saying like, Mr. Mr. Refreshment, remember verse seven, whenever we were looking uh, at the beginning and it, it said he, he was talking about Philemon and kind of building him up, encouraging him. He says, your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Remember that? It was like, Philemon, you're such a nice guy. You're such a kind guy that I'm hearing from people that they feel refreshed just from being around you. So he's basically saying, Mr. Refreshment, now give me some refreshment. Like, give me some encouragement. Encourage me by reconciling this relationship. You want to be a joy to me, finally? I mean, you want to be an encouragement to me, an refreshment to me? Then, then mend this broken relationship. And isn't it awesome when you see two people that you really love mend their broken relationship? Have you guys ever been in that situation before? Where it's like you got two people who are really special to you, yet they hate each other for some reason? Maybe it's just that season Maybe, I don't know. How many of you guys grew up in like a friend triangle? Anybody have that growing up? You know what I'm talking about? What's a friend triangle? Jenny's looking at me like I'm crazy right now. What's a friend triangle? A friend triangle is three friends. All right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? You got three friends. And you know what I'm talking about? So I grew up 
with a friend triangle. Like it was me, another guy, and another guy. And we were all best friends the whole time. All throughout middle school, all throughout high school, we were all best friends. And you know what was super awkward? When you got along with both of them, yet they couldn't get along in a moment. And it's like, man, I, I really just want for you guys to, to just make up. Like, can you guys please reconcile the relationship? You know the feeling of it, what it is, right? Whenever it's like, ah, oh, finally. Like, I love seeing that. I don't know if you've got kids that maybe, you know, you, you wish could be super tight, super close whenever they're a little bit older, yet there's just this strain between the relationship. Imagine that strain going away. And imagine, imagine them being so close like that's, that's what Paul doesn't want. He, that's what he wants to happen in this. He wants to be refreshed in that way. And then he finishes kind of this, really the, the meat portion of his whole entire letter in verse 21. And he says this, confident of your obedience. He's like, I know you're going to do what's right. I'm confident actually, because I know you. I know your character, Philemon. And I'm pretty sure that you're going to do what I'm asking you to do anyways, but he's like, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. So Paul assumed Philemon would not only do the right thing, but go above and beyond. So here's the question, did he? Don't you, remember how, remember how I'm like, man, if we had those, if we could just, like we're making a list right now, and we're like, everything I wanna ask God whenever I get to heaven, all right? I want to ask God what happened. Like, how did, how did Onesimus and Paul meet? God, tell me that story. God, tell me, tell me how all of this whole thing kind of went down. I would love to see that. One of the questions that I was like, man, I wonder if Philemon forgave Onesimus. I wonder if he did what Paul asked him to do. I wonder if he did far beyond. Well, guess what? That's not something that we have to put on our list. Praise God we know the answer right now. All right, you guys ready? You guys like happy endings? Me too. Remember 1 Corinthians? That was not a happy ending. And that's okay. Neither was 2 Corinthians. Philemon, happy ending. All right, so listen to this. 50 years later, all right? So 50 years after this was written. That's what later means. Sorry, I explained that. 50 years later, a man named Ignatius. How many of you guys have ever heard of Ignatius? Guy named Ignatius? Church history figure, Look him up if you want to do some research on Ignatius, okay? He was a guy that went down in history, honestly, as an amazing Christian father, all right? Um, he wasn't in scripture, obviously, because this was written later. This was 50 years later, though, but he was an amazing man of God. He ended up dying for his faith in Rome, okay? So just like Paul, he ended up dying for his faith in Rome. So he was being transported, all right? So he was in Antioch. He gets arrested. They are going to transport him to Rome. So on his way, Ignatius, on his way from Antioch to Rome, he stops off in Colossae, all right? I'm sorry, he stops off in Ephesus, my bad. Stops off in Ephesus. What happens is, and we love Ephesians, like we love the Ephesian church. They're great. We heard great things about them. Well, they definitely continued to live up to their name because as Ignatius came through, they actually all went out to greet him and to give him encouragement is what Ignatius claims happened. He shows up in, Ephesians, or in Ephesus and they're like, let's go see this brother. He's on his way to Rome to be executed. Let's go give him some encouragement. And so this is what, and so after he gets there, he ends up writing a letter to 
Ephesus, and here's what he says to them whenever he writes them a letter. And look who he, he actually is pretty fired up that he was visited by them, and not only that, but it was very zealous. Uh, and so here's what he said. In God's name, therefore, I received your large congregation. He's like, you all showed up. I received your large congregation in the person of Onesimus, your bishop in this world, a man whose love is beyond words. My prayer is that you should love him in the spirit of Jesus Christ and all be like him. Blessed is he who let you have such a bishop. You deserved it. Onesimus becomes the bishop in Ephesus. So for, we not, write it on your list of things. How did that happen? I don't know. I don't know. We don't get to know the details. But we know that Philemon ends up forgiving him. Because this is where he ends up. We, I think he probably went above and beyond. He probably discipled him. He probably taught him so many things, allowed him to grow in Christ, and he ends up going to Ephesus and being a bishop in Ephesus. That's, that's amazing. And remember what Paul's words in verse 15 were? For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while. Remember when he said that? He's like, look, I know you got some issues. I know he left. I know that was kind of an inconvenience for your life. But perhaps this is why he was parted from you for a while. God has a plan, all right? And Paul had a great trust in the Lord's overall plan. And apparently so did Philemon. Apparently so did Philemon because he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And I think that as we kind of sum up... Um, sum up Philemon. I think there's a verse in Paul's letter to the Ephesians that kind of sums up our, our uh, study of Philemon. And it's uh, in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 32, and it says this, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. May we never forget the forgiveness that has been shown to us. And may that always be a motivator for us forgiving other people. We were not deserving of what Christ has done for us. We were not deserving of the forgiveness that we have in Christ. There may be somebody in your life that you're like, man, I don't really see them as deserving of my forgiveness. Just remember that you weren't either and that we are in Christ and we're called to be like Christ. Remember that that Remember that motivation for maybe hopefully being able to do that. An amazing letter uh, that's an amazing reminder of the importance, number one, of the inclusivity of the gospel, that it's for all people, right? It's for Jew, for Greek, for male, for female, for slave, for free. It's a reminder of the importance of the forgiveness, of forgiveness, and it's a reminder of the depth to which we have been forgiven through Christ. Love this book. It's now going to be like in my top category, right? Whenever you look at it, it's like, man, that, that's going to be a cool book. In fact, if you want to like be like super spiritual bragging to your friends, you can walk up to them and be like, what's your favorite book? And they'll be like, oh, you know, it's Acts or Ecclesiastes. And, and, you know, and they can say something and you can be like, well, I really enjoy Philemon. And they're going to go, ooh, you're so spiritual. Philemon, where's that at in the Bible? Let me show you. Let's go to the table of contents first, though. <laughs> Let's find out where it's at. But yeah, what an amazing book. 
Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.